world we know is gone. No Google, no Amazon.com, no email, no podcasts. In a world ruled by the dead, we are finally forced to start living. Welcome, everyone, to the first episode of the Walking Dead TV podcast. My name is Jordan from Jersey, and I'm joined tonight with a whole cast of characters. Um, we're going to be discussing the Walking Dead TV show on AMC, which premieres this Halloween, October 31st, 2010, and we are super excited. So like I said, I'm Jordan from Jersey. I, uh, I podcast, I go to law school, and occasionally I sleep, and uh, somebody else take it from there. Well, we have pretty much an amalgamation, I love that word, of the Legion of Dudes and Half Hour Wasted shows. I am John, and we also have Russ and Jim from the Legion of Dudes. Howdy. Hey, everybody. And of course, we have our brother in podcasting and sometimes the godfather of the whole network, Mr. Brad Milo. How's it going, fellas? Fantastic. We have been excited and waiting for this television show and to start this project for a long, long time. But I will not take over. Uh, Jordan, go ahead with the festivities. Yeah, and if you want to check out uh, Half Hour Wasted or Legion of Dudes, you can go to hhwlod.com. That's hhwlod.com. Subscribe through iTunes and all that fun stuff. Great shows, and we enjoy doing them, so we hope you enjoy listening to them. Uh, you can also check us out at forumforgeeks.com. That's forum for the, the uh, word, not the number. Geeks.com, where we have tons of podcast discussion uh, for all kinds of geek-related podcasts, including, uh, we're announcing this now, it's been up a little bit earlier today, but uh, we're announcing officially the Walking Dead Podcast Network, or WDPN, and that is ourselves, the Walking Dead TV Podcast, uh, the Talking Dead Podcast, and Walking Dead cast, and uh, we invited them on. We, we figured uh, we did a show about Lost earlier on in uh, Legion of Dudes, and we, we love that show. And there's a thing called the Lost Podcast Network, which was just kind of a random name assigned to all the shows that podcasted about Lost. They didn't really have any centralization. They just, hey, this is the collective term for all the shows about Lost. And while that was awesome, love Lost, love the podcast, I listened to a ton of them, it was kind of difficult when one's talking about another and you don't know who they're talking about or you know, you got to go to seven different places to discuss things. So I figured, why don't we bring all the podcasts to one place? So if you go to forumforgeeks.com, you'll find the Walking Dead Podcast Network where you can discuss all three of our shows and any others that choose to join us in the future all in one place. So you'll get all your updates, all your news, all your discussion right there. So what sets us apart from the other podcasts talking about Walking Dead and what sets them apart from us? Well, we're going to primarily focus here on Walking Dead TV on what else but the Walking Dead TV show. I mean, there will be some comic discussion, but we'll keep that separate so we don't spoil anything for uh, anybody who might be watching the show without reading the comics. And also, geographically, Talking Dead podcast, they're from Canada. Walking Dead cast, they're from San Francisco. But here at Walking Dead TV, we cover the entire eastern seaboard and down into the Gulf Coast in Texas. So, you know, you get our regionalized accents that way. So that sets us apart as well. But like I said, we're going to be discussing primarily the TV Wait a minute, show. wait a minute. What accent? <laughs> Brad probably has an accent. You certainly don't have an accent, John. Jim doesn't. Hey, I'm from Pittsburgh. What do you want? 
<clears throat> there is an accent here, but I don't have it. But Pittsburgh is zombie town, USA. We started it here. It originated here. Night of the Living Dead, the original zombie film, filmed here by George Romero. We have a zombie store. Every year we have the world's largest zombie walk where thousands, literally thousands of people come from all over the world to dress as zombies and gather together at Monroeville Mall where they shot the original Dawn of the Dead. So I am here to represent Pittsburgh, zombie town, USA. What do they sell at the zombie store? Zombie. They have Monroeville zombie uh, um, hockey jerseys. Hockey jerseys from uh, I'm trying to remember one of the Kenneth, Kevin Smith. Movies. That would be Zach and Mary make a porno, as right. well as I believe there's a brief mention in Clerks too, but I'm not 100 percent on that. But they also have a lot of uh, props, uh, original props from Dawn of the Dead and things like that. They have uh, an actual. They have an actual prop of the Necronomicon from Evil Dead too, which. Over in the corner of the store, they have a, a bin just full of brains, and they have these little velvet sacks, and you could just pick pieces up. <laughs> Three for a dollar. Well, whatever you can fit in that little velvet sack, you know, it doesn't matter what size or shape. As long as it fits in that sack, then you can leave there for, you know, five bucks with a sack of brains. Well, speaking of porno and velvety sacks, our <laughs> podcast is going to be mostly family-friendly. Um, I know... Ow. Walking Dead cast is explicit, and Talking Dead cast occasionally goes that way, but not too much. Uh, but we're going to mostly keep things family-friendly as much as we can when we don't delve into those areas. How long have you guys all been reading Walking Dead? We should talk about that uh, real quick. Uh, not to spoil anything, but how long have we been reading? Are we current? And uh, how do we hear about the series? That kind of stuff. Well, I'll go first. I first learned about the Walking Dead comic through the podcast that we all met through comic geek speak podcast they did a book of the month club and one of their books of the month was the walking dead and in hearing the description of it it was a black and white comic about zombies i immediately just tuned out of that conversation right away so i didn't begin reading it even when it came out i knew about it then but then you know then i heard about this and so i was like okay well they're making a big deal about it with this this book of the month thing so i'll give it a shot the 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 trades on sale here so okay let me go get it and i read it and i was completely blown away with it so i have continued reading the the story in trade form i have not purchased any of the single issues so and i prefer it that way because every six months or so i get a nice big chunk of of the story and uh i like it that way and i'm i'm uh i'm actually not current with the the issues because there's only been 12 trades out and there's probably another trades worth of issues out that haven't been collected yet so that's my story i'm right about in the same spot i started reading it in the deluxe hardcovers though which are really nice and those are what two trades per book yes in fact i uh every time one of those comes out i pick it up as well so i've got i've got you know the story in two different forms well i'll do one better than that i have those and the compendium which is the first 48 issues in a softcover, ginormous volume that Russ and I picked up. Uh, what was it? Buy one, get one free on deep discount? DVD. Yeah, last year. Yeah, we got some ridiculous uh, – I think it ended up being like 20-something dollars each for two of those compendiums. So I'm behind as well. I guess they're up to trade number 12, and I have read 10 of them as I wait for my library to get number 11 in. So that's where I'm at. Yeah, I got that same compendium. I think it was uh, Pittsburgh Con a uh, year before last. Uh, the first 48 issues had just come out, but I found it half price. 
uh, grabbed it then because I'd heard a lot of people talk about it. We ended up doing uh, shows about it on Legion of Dudes. So uh, that's how I read it. And I read the first 48, and I've been f- keeping up with the trades ever since. I'm also in a very similar boat. I started reading the series, I believe Trade 7 had just came out, um, and I bought all seven at once. I don't remember exactly why. I know it was on a big zombie kick at the moment. Picked them all up, and I've been reading them in trade form ever since. So I'm also current in trade form up to um, trade 12, which I believe goes up to, what, issue 72 of the book, which is up to 76 right now. So I'm, I'm almost current, and uh, I, I wish I was current just because the cliffhanger at the end of uh, volume 12 was awesome. And uh, I, I just want to find out what happens more, which is pretty much uh, how the show goes there. Uh, Jim, you brought up Legion of Dudes and our... Walking Dead episodes. We are, as Legion of Dudes, a in-depth comic book podcast. We do in-depth reviews and discussion. Uh, we break it down panel by panel, and we've actually done. I believe it's the first two or the first four trades. Four. We did the we did the first two hardcovers, if I'm not mistaken. Right, okay. So that would be four trades, right? So we we are not newcomers to discussion of the Walking Dead, but we're we're going to be uh, getting in on the ground floor with everybody else for discussion of the television show. So that should be a lot of fun. I started I, – my story is, I guess, kind of similar to Jordan's. I started reading Volume 1 about the time that Volume 7 came out. And I picked up – again, it was just one of those things where you hear all the buzz and nobody says a bad word about the book. Everybody loves it and everybody gushes. And it wasn't that I wasn't interested. I was just kind of not overly interested you know, compared to everything else I was reading. So I finally decided to dive in. I picked up Volume 1. I pretty much ripped through it in one setting and was hooked. And then at Cape Day in 2008, I guess it was now, you and I and Frank kind of met face-to-face. Robert Kirkman was there doing a signing. And so I had him sign my Volume 1. I went over to Zeus and picked up Volume 2 and came back and had him sign Volume 2. And he did a little doodling. And I ended up talking to Robert Kirkman for probably about him and Val Staples, who's kind of a colorist that works with him. I ended up talking to the two of those guys for probably about an hour, hour and a half as the show was winding down. Um, really, just really cool guy to talk to. Yeah, he was um, very he was very excited about the book. He was very friendly. Um, I also had you know several trades, however many were out at that point. He signed them. Uh, he did a, a, a doodle in my hardcovers as well. He was very very friendly, and like you know, at, even back then it was two thousand eight. Even back then, he said if he could write this book forever, he would. Yeah, it was kind of funny. He. I wanted to talk to him about the book, and at the time he was just finishing up his run on Ultimate X-Men, so I wanted to, to talk to him about that, and he was dismissive of that and wanted to focus on talking the book a little bit. And then I, one of the things I do out in rural Texas is I'm a volunteer firefighter, and he, I had my shirt on, and he saw that, and he was just like, oh, man, I love all that Rescue Me stuff. And he proceeded to want to talk for the next probably 20 minutes about firefighting and training and what I do and how I do it and all that kind of stuff. So it was really just kind of a cool um, non-comic moment uh, to talk to Robert Kirkman for a little bit. It was pretty cool. And uh, and luckily enough, we too had an opportunity to interview Robert Kirkman to talk about his Haunt comic a while back. Um, and that, that, was, that was good fun as well. But as far as back, back on The Walking Dead, so I read Volumes 1 and 2 and... Um, I was able to to get a hold of uh, the next several trades, and I burned through those pretty quick. And then since trade number eight, I've been buying the trades as they come out. So I'm always like, you know, six months behind on reading. And then, like John said, I kind of filled in the gap by getting that compendium. So I have in print everything, you know, from the from the beginning to the end. It's one of those, you know, few trades I actually sit down and read in one sitting. And Walking Dead is one of those um, where literally. 
Um, I'll usually take it on a Saturday or a Sunday afternoon after I get my shipment in, and I'll sit down with it and just blow through it in, in one sitting. It's, it's amazing how six issues can seem like an issue and a half when you're just totally engrossed. So what we, we kind of kicked around what we would do as far as a format for this show. And I think ultimately what we've decided on, and we've still got you know, six or eight weeks to go before the show actually, the, the TV show actually premieres. But our intention is to spend the first segment of the show speaking about the show itself, about the, that particular episode, and then maybe whatever would have tied in to the previous episode and what's to come in the next episode, you know, probably our predictions. Kind of like what we did if, if any of you um, followed our lost coverage, kind of similar concept. Then what we'll probably do is probably have a hard break segment and then talk about the comic issues that are that kind of coincide with the issue or with the, I'm sorry, with the episode that we just, you know, saw on television. So we can kind of compare and contrast and see where things kind of deviate. Um, we'll probably keep a really tight um, rein on that in the show notes to where folks know when the show starts, start the talk starts and the comic talk starts. And then we'll do probably a closing out, um, you know, in notes and stuff like that at the end. So that way, if people are A, not interested in the comic whatsoever, or B, don't want to be spoiled by the comic, they'll, they'll have a pretty good clue as to where where that talk will be and they can kind of fast forward on through it. But that's, that's the plan as of today. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't, didn't Frank Darabont say uh, as big a fan of the comic book as he is, he wants to, while following the main beats of the show, kind of deviate off into different areas, maybe take some things out of order. Oh yeah, definitely. And that, that should yeah. be, uh, that should be cool. Keep us all on our toes and all on a, uh, on the ground floor there, which, which I yeah. appreciate. I, re- I, I really would, um, as much as I like the comic, I really would question whether or not I would enjoy the TV show as much if I knew exactly what was going to happen next. You know, it might be kind of cool, oh, I wonder how they're going to do this next. But if he, if he varies the story, then I, I have a feeling I'm really going really gonna to dig this a lot more than I expect to. I think a good parallel would be uh, True Blood. I mean, they're based on the novels that are written, but the, they're kind of, they kind of deviate from the novels in a lot of ways as well. So, I mean, I know, like, for instance, people that I know have read the books that True Blood is based on still watch the show and they still get surprises and twists in, in the episodes or what have you because the, it deviates from the book. So, hopefully, it'll be like that so we you know, get a little something more, a little different. Uh, yeah, I can easily see... You know, one of the things that the TV show obviously has that the book doesn't is live action, motion, and real personalities. And I could easily see where you may think the show from a writing perspective is going to go one way. And based on feedback or buzz, if a particular character or an actor's performance is superb or, or really bringing folks into the show, if that character were to meet an untimely demise in the comic, I can easily see where they might deviate from that plan a little bit um, to... to to keep folks pulled in. Um, and I think, again, Jim, True Blood is probably the, the perfect example because I think a lot of that has happened with True Blood, and I can easily see that happening with um, with Walking Dead, especially with the first season being just a six-episode um, shot, and then you know season two, if it gets greenlit, which I'm assuming it will, being like the typical 13-episode cable uh, TV series season. 
Yeah, like look at the Prisoner too on AMC, which is the same channel that's putting out The Walking Dead. The Prisoner miniseries that they did there with Ian McKellen and uh, Jim Caviezel. I don't know if any of you saw it, but it deviated, you know, pretty wildly from the original Prisoner, uh, the British TV show with Patrick McGowan. So I mean, you know, using the source material and kind of you know going you know its own way from there it seems to be something that they you know they aren't afraid to do. All right, so speaking of other AMC shows and also of True Blood on HBO, and as Russ brought up earlier in his uh, discussion of Robert Kirkman, Rescue Me on FX, AMC is pretty comparable to FX in terms of what content they choose to show. Um, They're not going to get into (laughs) quite the content level that True Blood will, although they've they've said that they're going to have lots of crazy violence, which we appreciate. AMC is known right now in the television industry as of having some of the best shows out there. Um, we already brought up The Prisoner. That was a miniseries. Um, there are two ongoing series. I should say three now because they just introduced another one as well called Rubicon, which I'm two episodes behind on. Um, but it's pretty good. It's a conspiracy-based show. They have. The I had one of those when I was a kid. I, I learned how to solve it too, yeah. Yeah, I don't believe that. No, I learned how to solve it. You know, you could buy books on how to solve them and all that. It's a Rubik's Cube, I'm afraid. Oh, okay. My bad. <laughs> Rubicon would be a river you have to cross. Or a desert. I don't remember. You have to cross it. Whatever it is. Um, Shaka Khan's sister, Rubicon. Khan! you. Oh, I thought I'd be the first person to sing in this episode. Anyway, so there are two juggernauts right now. AMC's two big hit shows. They just continued their Emmy-winning streak this past Sunday are Mad Men and Breaking Bad. Mad Men, I love it. It's a bit of a slow burn. Not everybody gets into it, um, but it's about 1960s Madison Avenue advertising executives. And that's uh, got John Hammond. It's got Christina Hendricks, John Slattery. It's got a a great cast, great performances, great writing, great direction. It's, It's awesome. And then their other show, is Breaking Bad, which also has all those great things. It's uh, Brian Cranston, Aaron Paul, Bob Odenkirk, and a whole bunch of other people in a, in a show about a uh, – originally how it started out was a high school chemistry professor finds out he has terminal cancer. And to spend his last few days trying to make as much money for his family as possible, he turns to cooking meth, and laughter ensues. Um, it's a great show. It's not actually funny, although it can be at times. Um, both Mad Men – and uh, Breaking Bad, and to a lesser extent Rubicon and The Prisoner, just because we haven't seen as much of them. Some of the best television out there, as far as I'm concerned, and I watch a lot of television. I'm, I'm a nerd. So it gives us really high expectations and really high hopes for what they're going to be able to do with The Walking Dead. Uh, do any of you other guys watch any shows on AMC that you'd like to talk about, or what, what are your favorite parts of those shows? I actually, it's funny uh, how you just went through that. I actually have never seen Mad Men or Breaking Bad, but I am pretty. Sure you are missing out so much. I know. That's what everybody says. I try to keep the shows that I have to follow down to a select few. um, And I am watching Rubicon, which I think is excellent. And I'm, I'm up to date on it. And it has grabbed me and pulled me in. So that's a, that's a great one. I'd say that's, Sounds like that might be the most tame in terms of content. Um, uh, like, it's like yeah, you said, it's more much. of a conspiracy thing. There isn't much in terms of sexual situations or violence besides getting a gun pointed at you. Um, right, yeah. Um, there's a little bit of language in Rubicon. There's a little bit of language in all three. Occasional violence in Mad Men. There's actually a hilarious bit of Mad Men in the second season. If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and Breaking Bad has quite a bit of that. Um, 
nudity. There was a little tiny bit in the Breaking Bad pilot and smatterings in Mad Men, but not not too too much there. Um, like I said, it's not not True Blood on HBO. It's uh, it's not trying to push that particular boundary, but Walking Dead doesn't need to, so we should be fine in that department. It's really weird how like all these uh, um, basic cable channels have stepped up and come out with these really quality television shows. I'm thinking of what you were talking about, Mad Men and Breaking Bad, also Sons of Anarchy on FX, which uh, I really enjoy. I thought it was really good. Um, Rescue Me, like Russ said. It's really weird how these uh, you know, basic cable companies are stepping up with these really high-quality, you know, almost boutique uh, uh, miniseries and series. I mean, look at the pedigree on The Walking Dead, the show that we're, we're going to be you know, discussing. I mean, it's being produced by Frank Darabont, who made, in my opinion, one of the best movies of all time, The Shawshank Redemption. Plus, um, you know, he directed a lot of the episodes of one of my favorite shows of all time, The uh, Adventures of Young Indiana Jones, uh, The Green Mile, and it just seems like he really has an affinity, at least in the interviews I've read, for the source material. I didn't know about The Young Indiana Jones thing. That's cool. I love that show. I thought that was an awesome show. Very underrated. Yeah, well, very much Any show much that's so. got uh, Indiana Jones in an eye patch, you know it's got a plus right there. Yeah, and Harrison Ford in, in, a, in like, 40-month beard, gro- beard growth um, playing a saxophone for seconds. But he also pretty, I mean, he also directed The Green Mile. Uh, he also adapted Stephen King's The Mist with Andre Brower. Um, uh, that, was a really good, that was really good. I don't know if you guys have seen that. Uh, I'm, I keep just, meaning to. I just have that. I mean, with his, his and, you know, imprimatur on it, I really think that's a, a high stamp of quality. And that, I mean, I'm pretty much, if you say, you know, Frank Darabont was going to remake quick draw McGraw, you know, as a, as a serious drama or whatever, I would still check it out because it's him, because he's um, done such a good job on so many other films and TV shows. Yeah, and he's going to be directing, is it the first two episodes or just the pilot? Do you know? Looks like just the pilot. Which the pilot is going to air, as we said earlier, on Halloween 2010, uh, I believe at 10 o'clock first. And then uh, AMC, they usually play their stuff several times in a row. Uh, the night it airs, the, the pilot though is going to be ninety minutes long, so make sure your DVRs are set. So uh, we get an extra bonus thirty minutes of The Walking Dead this Halloween. What do you guys think of the uh, premiere date? By the way, we haven't really talked about that off air too much. Uh, I'm is actually it positive? Kind of is it negative? It. Please actually, uh, elucidate. Well, you know, I I like to I like to take my kids trick or treating, you know, and um. I have to drive to another city, which is fine. I certainly don't mind that, but you know, I'm I'm not going to be in front of the TV when it airs. So you know how that is. You like to you like to be in on it when America's in on it, and so now I'm going to have to watch it after the fact, and that's fine. Like I said, but it just kind of irritates me. I, I understand the concept of putting it on Halloween night, but don't these people have Halloween parties to go to? I mean, I certainly do. <laughs> I do too. We have legendary Halloween parties at Gypsy every year, and I will not be home when it airs. I'll probably be nursing a hangover the next day, watching it in the morning. What's the regular air date? It, have we determined that yet? Is it like Friday nights or? It's it's going to be Sundays. AMC does all of their dramas on. Do we know that for a fact? Uh, yeah, I, I believe so. Okay. Uh, I'm, that's I, cool. I'm not questioning you. I just for some reason was thinking somebody told me it was going to air on Friday nights. I mean, I can double-check, but so far, all of their shows have played on Sunday night. Well, this and is good news, because during, during the football season, I'm busy Friday nights with football games and whatnot, so I was afraid that I wasn't going to be able to see it until Saturday, so that's good. And like I said, they are, it's going to be on late at night, so hopefully 
uh, or not not late late, but you know, ten o'clock. So hopefully late enough that most people's evening plans are going to be over. And AMC re-airs their stuff a bunch of times. Uh, I know during the normal Breaking Bad season, they'll play the new episode of Breaking Bad, then they'll play it again, then they'll play an episode of Mad Men, and then they'll replay that new episode of Breaking Bad again. So if you weren't home for some reason or your DVR, uh, DVR failed the first time, you're going to be able to see that show that night without uh, having to track it down on iTunes or something. Um, uh, and also, for our f- folks listening overseas, uh, I believe it's Fox International has the international broadcasting rights, and the show's going to be premiering around the world pretty much simultaneously. I, I want to say 30 countries in that 24 hours. But So regardless of where you are, you're going to be able to find the show. And AMC's really awesome with iTunes. They released their stuff uh, that midnight, uh, uh, the night that it uh, that it aired. So we won't have to wait, like with an HBO show, for instance, six months. If you missed it when it aired, uh, sorry. You know, w- with Walking Dead, you're going to be able to get a hold of the show fairly easily, and uh, that means more zombie goodness for all of us. Does AMC not show their shows on their website, like you know, ABC and NBC and that? Uh, I think they have clips, but I don't think they have the full sh- episodes now. Okay. That's also irritating, but I can deal with it. Yeah, I think it's just the, that tier of cable. Like, I don't think FX has full episodes on their website either. I don't know if it's a licensing issue or just that they don't have the money to do that particular area where they don't want to impact their, their viewership. Because although AMC is known for having excellent, excellent programs, they, uh, they don't have high viewership. I mean, not, not astronomically high viewership anyway. It's good for cable, but compared to any network show, it's usually usually pretty low, which uh, we, we talked about the possibility of the of second season being greenlit. Um, it was reported earlier today, uh, we're recording uh, Wednesday night, um, that the, the, the series had been greenlit for a second season. Later on today, AMC said, hey, hold on, hold on, not quite yet. Nothing's official. So it's likely the show will get a second season. We're, we're certainly hoping. And they don't have a really high viewership bar they need to meet amc's pretty good about uh nursing along a show that doesn't have huge uh viewership when they see quality and we know the source material is quality we know the people involved are certainly quality high quality so amc has a very good very i mean excellent track record so far of saying this is quality we're going to stick with it. and speaking of quality speaking of the people involved um you guys want to talk about the cast Absolutely. All right, so as our protagonist, and we're going to stay spoiler-free as, mu- as much as we can here discussing the cast, um, but our protagonist is Rick Grimes, and he's going to be played by Andrew Lincoln. Has anybody seen anything with Andrew Lincoln in it that they, uh, they can recommend? i never heard of this guy. Well, he is British. Oh, I'm sorry. I've never heard of this baby. <laughs> Just looking back through his filmography, there's nothing in here that stands out to me that I've seen Uh and uh, one familiar actor in the cast I see is Michael Rooker, um, originally from Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer. That's kind of where he made his name originally. But he was also the dad of uh, um, Claire Ferlani's character in Mallrats, the guy who gets the stink palm from Brody. Yes. That's, I, th- that's like my most famous uh, remembrance of Rooker is, is in uh, Mallrats. He played Svenning. Totally. Yeah, the host of the show, and he uh, gets the uh, chocolate-covered uh, pretzels. Pretzels. Don't, don't do so well for him. Um, he's been in a he's, ton of movies, though. 
Uh, he, he's a know, big character actor. Same guy. Yeah, I mean, he was in JFK, uh, Cliffhanger with uh, Sylvester Stallone. He was in Tombstone. Um, he was in uh, Slither with Nathan Fillion and uh, Elizabeth Banks, wasn't he? Which is a fantastic movie, by the way. Also in uh, Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, yeah. Who was in there? Which, who are you talking about? Was in Chronicles about of Michael, Riddick? Michael Rucker. And what character is he playing? Centurion. Oh, it's uh, a video game. Oh, it's the video game. I'm sorry. Which I did okay. play, actually. I so mean, which uh, character on which Walking Dead character is, is this we're talking about? He's, oh, he he's is playing, playing a new Marl. character. Oh, 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 okay. A new character? That's what I've been led, led to understand, anyway. Maybe, I wonder if it's the guy in, in the trailer that, that Rick is talking to about him just being a guy trying to find his wife and family. Uh, I believe it's either it is either is him or it's cut to look that way because of the scene before that he's talking to Michael Rooker. Okay, Michael Rooker with facial hair, which I don't think I've ever seen before. The only one of the cast that I am familiar with is the lady who plays Lori, Sarah Wayne Callies. Yeah, and she was yeah. the character Sarah on Prison Break. Yep, Doctor Tancredi. Yes, Sarah Tancredi, yes. and um. She's, I think she's a great actress. I'm looking forward to seeing what she can do with this character. And then we, you know, Jeffrey DeMunn is kind of one of those. He's the, I guess, Frank Darabont go-to person because he's been in a lot of uh, adaptations of Darabont stuff. He was in The Green Mile. He was in The Mist. Um, he's been in a couple other ones that were adaptations of, like, Stephen King, you know, things that were, that were translated Storm of the he's Century. Kind of the, That's, he's kind of the De Niro to Darabont Scorsese. Right, the, right. Uh, DiCaprio in modern times. He yeah, does he look always, kind of familiar to me, too, now that I look at him a little closer. Yeah. He's, he's done a lot of TV stuff. Again, another character actor. So yeah. uh, there's a lot of, you know, just in, in you're looking at, at some of these people, and they seem familiar, but you can't really nail it. And then you start looking at their filmography and, and cruising through IMDb, and you're like, oh, yeah, I remember that person. Oh, yeah, I remember that person. So, uh a lot, a lot of just, just you know, straight up character actors that are coming together for for this. So he 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 wasn't like if when I pictured Dale, that's I didn't see Jeffrey Demond, but knowing him from the other stuff he's done, and and obviously since he has a a pretty good rapport with Frank Darabont, I'm totally fine with with him picking up that role. Now we just mentioned the trailer, the trailer that was premiered at San Diego Comic Con this summer. Um, just recently released on the AMC blog. I want to say it's walkingdead.amc.com, but it's, if you go to amc.com, there's a big Walking Dead banner, and it's uh, really easy to find. Uh, it's about a four-minute trailer, if memory serves, and it's awesome. Anybody else want yeah. to <laughs> elaborate on that? It looks fantastic. When I watch it, I get goosebumps. It's cut well. It's got some cool music, especially the end song. Uh, it's such... It's such a contrast to what you're visually seeing and what you're hearing. It's just, it's well done. In fact, I was at my folks' house one night and I said, Mom, because she's a, she's a TV buff like me and we watched the Lost finale together and I said, Mom, you got to see this. And I explained what The Walking Dead was and I showed her that trailer and she was sitting there just shivering watching it the whole time. She looked at me when it was done. She goes, oh, I can't wait for that. <laughs> I like the way it was <laughs> cut. You know what it reminded me of? It reminded me of, huh, easier said than done, the uh, Dusk Till Dawn. It, it had the completely 
two different movies in one. You know, it starts off kind of like a 70s cop thing, almost like a Smokey and the Bandit type thing. Yeah. And then it totally turns direction and they bring in the zombies and I won't spoil, I guess, how that comes about. They show it a little bit in the trailer. But, you know, I, I just really dug the vibe of how it changed gears. Which is good because, you know, it, to be honest, I wasn't huge on the little cop portion. Nothing wrong with it. It's just it didn't stand out to me. But about as soon as that part ends and it just builds and builds and builds to that incredible ending shot of are we spoiling what's in the trailer i would say that the trailer is fair game to talk about because if you haven't seen it you should have and again uh the correct address is blogs.amctv.com and then click on the walking dead and you can watch that trailer and if you haven't seen it now you're you don't know what you're missing Okay, awesome. Thank you, sir. I appreciate the, the link there. Um, so yeah, if, pause this real quick. Go watch the trailer and then come back. Okay, so the ending shot of the trailer of just all those zombies closing in on the tank is one of the coolest shots I've seen in a long time. It reminds me of, um, did any of you guys see the 30 Days of Night movie? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That, that yeah. one incredible overhead shot of the town just being ransacked by vampires. Um, yes, that was like a phenomenal shot. shot. It, it it feels that way to me, and not because it's an overhead shot. It's just um, it's that sense of scope, that sense of oh my gosh, this is so much bigger than you thought at first. And you know, if this is going to be this big, and this is just the trailer, this is just four minutes. What is the what is the six episodes we start out with, and possibly the whole rest of the series going to look like? Yeah, yeah, that was one of my fears with it being a TV show and being concerned about budget is we would get no more than like four zombies on the screen at one time. And like you, you hit it, Jordan seeing that tank scene and him getting swarmed with zombies from every side. I was like, ah, so they are, you know, they're going to, they're going to really do this justice and they're not going to, you know, cheapen it. So I was, I was happy to see that. Yeah. I, I heard they had around 120 zombies for that, um, that shoot. So I don't know if they, you know how they do that trick of they shoot half the side with zombies and then the other half, and then they just kind of mesh the two shots together. I don't know if they did something like that because it seems like more than 124, but uh, oh my gosh, that is such a cool cool image. I wonder how long it took them to train those zombies to do that because obviously you know, it's hard to communicate with zombies. It's probably hard to find that many zombies to begin with. Well, I know you're being facetious, but there actually is a... Uh, Pretty cool on, on that blogs. Did you say blogs.amc.com? On yes. that same website, posted AMCTV. Uh, oh, AMCTV. Ooh, I'm, yeah, my bad. Yeah. Um, on that same website, I had posted a couple months ago. They actually had a little featurette on Welcome to Zombie School or something along those lines, where they discuss exactly how they train each and every single extra who's going to be a zombie in the stance, in the walk, in just the general oeuvre, if you will. Uh, how to be a Kirkman Walking Dead zombie. So if you haven't seen it, um, you should definitely go and check that out because it is really neat. And Brad, yeah, just, I, to I, answer your, just to answer your question, the, uh, the Zombie Actors Guild is actually a lot weaker than the regular Actors Union, so you can get them to work real cheap and stuff, so it's easy to have like a ton of them on set. Well, they're slow, true. so they can't fight back. Yeah, okay. I, I, I witnessed firsthand how difficult it was for Robert Rodriguez to train zombies during the Planet Terror shoot. It's not a pretty sight. I wonder what those uh, those zombie guild meetings are catered with. Just have tables full of brains or something. Brian, 
Brian. <laughs> what zombie movies do you guys like best? Like this is this is pr- to me this is like real zombie content. Like they're slow. They have actually risen from the dead. You know, a lot of the movies that come out now, they're called zombie movies, but they're not really zombies. They're like infected with something or they run really fast. Um, what do you guys, Jim, I know you're a fan of like the old school stuff, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, like I said, the Romero stuff, the original Night of the Living Dead and the original Dawn of the Dead, probably my two favorites. Although I like the remake of the Dawn of the Dead that Zack Snyder did. I thought that was pretty decent uh, as remakes go. But um, so I'm with you, Rain's John. One, right? Yeah, right. Yeah. Well, Vin Diesel actually in that <laughs> and the remake of Day of the Dead, which is horrible. Yeah, yeah. Jim, sure you, you didn't know. mind the uh, the the zombies that ran, the running fast zombies. You didn't mind that. I don't like the running fast zombies. I really don't. I know they do that to add, uh, you know, tension or whatever. But I prefer the old school brain eating, wandering around the mall in the days zombies, like in the original Dawn of the Dead from the seventies. Somehow that's creepy. Up, you know, it, it, it's it is like scarier. it's creepier because <laughs> it, you know, it's like they're not worried. They're going to get you whether you want them to get, to get you or not. And yes. when the fast zombies are coming after you, it's like, oh, gosh, we have to go fast and get these, you know, get our next meal or they're going to get away. But the slow zombies are like, I know I'm going to catch up with you eventually, so I'm good. You just keep going and I'm going to just do my thing. If you watch the original, though, there are these great shots of people who are, are zombified, like walking through Monroeville Mall, and they don't look much different than the real people walking through Monroeville Mall, and that was kind of the point. You know, like, <laughs> right. the way some people walk through the mall in a daze, just kind of, want, you know, you know, you know, I, you know, not looking where they're going, kind of just looking, you know, absent-minded and uh, walking like a zombie, pretty much. So. That was a bit in, um, in Shaun of the Dead, which is a great kind of zombie parody where they just you know they, they can just pretend I, I think there's a scene where sean and uh and his buddy just kind of walk in the crowd of zombies and like make funny noises and they actually fit in really well yeah that was yeah, funny I remember that. yeah so they don't get noticed i guess i'm the opposite i enjoy the fast zombies like i was really impressed with 28 days later i was not as impressed with 28 weeks later but i really enjoyed 28 days later because to me it amps up the sense of peril when you have zombies that can move at, at you know as fast or faster than normal humans to meet that tension and that fear factor and the way they shoot it a lot of times it's almost like that weird it's it's almost like that stop motion but it's fast i, I can't explain it it's almost like they skip frames so it looks like it's uh, just very frenetic almost um, like they're running under a strobe light yeah yeah and to me, hey, that just freaks freaks me out. I don't mean to sit on your pillow, but uh, please do. Aren't aren't they more of the virus infected? Yeah, type te- of deal. Technically, they are infected with the rage. Yeah, virus. technically, but if we're know. gonna include those types of of quote unquote zombies, I'm a one of my guilty pleasures is the Resident Evil movies. I like those. Sue me, um, but to me, they're it's different enough from the creepy slow zombies that I can distinguish between the two and like both. I mean, even Left 4 Dead and Left 4 Dead 2, those are technically infected and not zombies. Um, it was a bit blurrier in the first one, but they've kind of made it clear since then that, that they don't consider them actual zombies. Well, in, uh, some of these, in some of these examples, don't they like 
die from the virus and then wake up as zombies or are they just kind of getting infected and continuing you know what i think you're right especially if if memory serves the first resident evil movie i seem to remember them like there's this one shot of this woman up against a glass that's filled with like stuff or liquid or something in this one room and she's dead obviously but then she her eyes open and she wakes up Am I thinking the same? Am I thinking about the right thing? I'm not sure. I'm definitely confusing all of my different sources, but I'm thinking yeah. like in 28 days and stuff, if they... 28 days, it's just uh, it's fluid transmission. It's not Okay, dead. they don't die. Okay. Yeah. I, I think in the Resident Evil movies, and if anybody wants to correct me, you know, please do, but I believe, at least in the first one, they were dead, and then they resumed whatever they, whatever passes for life at that point. And then the Resident Evil movies subsequently in the second and third was said it was a virus that spread and killed people and then reanimated them. Uh, okay. Spread by the Umbrella Corporation. Uh, Mila Jovovich is one of my guilty pleasures. So Yeah, that's why I like those <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, so I would, say, I would say that since they die and then come back to life, regardless of how they die, if they come back to life, if they are raised from the dead somehow, uh, then they're zombies. How about another type of zombies, uh, also originated by Robert Kirkman? Well, I don't know if they were technically originated, but they're probably best associated with him, which is the Marvel Zombies, the uh, the comic that he did back when he was still writing Marvel stuff, which is Marvel superheroes get zombified, but they still have their personalities. They can still talk. They can still think. They just have a uh, insatiable hunger for human flesh. I enjoyed the first two, and then they did a... I think it was a Dead Days, which crossed over into uh, the the Evil Dead Ash character stuff going on, and those were fun. And then after that, it just got to be a little too much. And now Kirkman didn't write all that stuff. I think Fred Van Lente is writing. I think he uh, just did the first two, and now yeah, yeah. I'm uh, I'm in Russ's boat. The first two were great. The Dead Days was good, and uh, the Return that was okay. We could go on and on about this, but we're kind of getting off topic now, aren't we? Yeah, yeah sorry. So uh, what other zombie properties do people like? Oh, I've been reading uh, iZombie from uh, Vertigo, which is actually a pretty funny book. Um, it's, it's a little more lighthearted and a little more offbeat and kind of crosses genres, kind of like True Blood. You know, there's were people and vampires and stuff going on. So it's if you like offbeat, uh, I think the fifth or fourth issue just came out, so... I'm a fan of uh, World War Z, the Max Brooks novel. Who also wrote uh, the Zombie Survival Guide. Right. That's some, good, that's some good stuff if anyone's looking to read any zombie material. If you're looking to survive a zombie outbreak, you really need to pick up that book. If you're not, uh, well, it, it works against like, just angry children as well. This makes me want to watch Zombie Land again. <laughs> yes. All right, well, I hope you enjoyed our podcast tonight. Uh, we're going to come back to you every week uh, talking about Walking Dead television programs. So you can find us at walkingdeadtv.com. You can also find us at hhwlod.com. You can also find us and the entire Walking Dead podcast network at www.forumforgeeks.com. You can also follow us on Twitter at wdtvpodcast. That's at wd. TV podcast, and don't forget to check us out on Facebook. Just search for Walking Dead TV podcast. 
And if you're adverse to typing, you simply can't stand doing it, why don't you leave us a call on our voicemail instead? You can call us at 516-468-7912. 516-468-7912. Leave us a voicemail. Get your voice heard on the show. So until next week, or until the zombies start walking the earth because there's no room left in hell, this has been the Walking Dead TV Podcast, and we'll see you next week. Good night. Good night. Thank you.